Hello, and welcome to Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Joining me today is a friend of the show and a true Renaissance man, Tommy Wood. Tommy is an artist, a musician, a filmmaker, all from Jefferson, Georgia. He's the creator of one of the best hot sauces known to man, Bootlicker Hot Sauce. Welcome, Tommy, and thank you for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. I really appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you were one of the, the guys that I, I immediately thought of uh, when I started this project, because uh, I know you, <laughs> uh, you, you have a lot going on. And that, uh, and you have some uh, unique and interesting music tastes as well. So I wanted to, you know, pick your brain on these things. Yeah, I like everything from Metallica to James Taylor. So you know, uh, well, we'll jump right into this. Uh, what is your favorite album, and how did you discover it? Well, when you posed this question to me, it was a difficult choice, but I had to come back to the to the album that kind of sculpted me for the future um, of my musical taste. And that is Kiss Destroyer. It's it's the first album that really got my attention as a kid. It uh, I, I grew up loving Elvis and uh, impersonating him with my mom's scarf in front of the mirror and singing along to. Elvis in Hawaii and all those great albums. Nice. Um, but when my sister came home with Kiss Destroyer, some guy that liked her on the bus uh, gave it to her. Now, granted, she's 10 and I'm six. So it wasn't like we were, you know, even in high school. She didn't like the album, so she gave it to me. And so if you've ever seen the album cover, and of course you have, uh, mm-hmm. but the listeners, you know, you've got Kiss on there in their full, you know, 1976 glory and it was the combination of the comic books I loved and the horror movies. I love the Hammer horror movies. I mean, just it was like everything, you know. And then you actually put it on the turntable, and it kind of scared me, you know. Like, I'm six years old. There's this, like, morning news, you know, playing of this guy who was in a wreck, you know. And then it goes into Detroit Rock City, and I'd never heard music like that. You know, I'm six years old. And the, the guitars and the drums and the, just the energy, you know, just everything about it just grabbed me. Had you been aware of Kiss before this? Because this is their fourth album. I don't, I was trying to decide if I was aware of them. Um, I believe I did know of them, but had never actually, you know how it was, you grow up seeing like Leonard Skinner album covers or um, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin t-shirts, but you're like, have I ever actually heard their song? You know, that kind of thing when you're, when you're really young. So I don't think I had heard them, but what is interesting about that is right after that, they were on the Howland Halloween special. And um, I'm not sure if you, you're familiar with him. No, but he was a popular comedian of that era. And I can send you the link later to the, to their segments on the show. I pulled it up to show my wife for (laughs) for Halloween. But anyway, um, it kind of culminated to where I I was given the album. I kind of like got sucked into this, you know, kiss world. And then they're on TV 
And then uh, next thing you know, I'm in second grade. I'm creating the uh, Kiss fan club in my classroom. You know, that's great. I was drawing like Ace Freely on balloons and, you know, giving them to people so that when they blew it up, his face was really big. You know, like, <laughs> it didn't look that good, but I tried. Uh, Ace Freely, is that the star? No, Ace is a uh, space ace. He's the one with the silver uh, face thing. Oh, okay, it's, the silver. You know, in, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you got, so you, got, you got Gene Simmons, Ace Freely, Paul Stanley, and Peter Paul, Chris. P- Peter Chris, the original lineup, yeah. I had never listened to this album. I, I knew maybe three songs off of it and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was definitely a fun listen. Uh, I immediately thought of the movie Detroit rock city. Mm-hmm. I have a better appreciation for it. Now it was a great movie anyway, but now having yeah. listened to the songs that they referenced throughout the movie, I, now I, now I get some of the other jokes that they, that they make in it. Um, but this, yeah. de- this record is almost tailor made for that, I mean, you were uh, younger than what I was thinking about, like the 10 to 21 age group in the 70s. I mean, that's, it's yeah. just tailor-made for, for that, that audience. For sure. And when, when I was growing up as a six to seven-year-old, you know, Star Wars, the original New Hope came out when I was seven. When I think back about who I was then, I feel older, you know, in my mind. And when I look at pictures of me when I was that age, I'm like, wow, I thought I was pretty hot stuff, but I was like a little seven-year-old kid, you know. But I think because I had older sisters, some of those things uh, that might have appealed to the 10 to 20 year olds was already kind of in my, you know, peripheral, you know. And so I, I grabbed onto some of that stuff maybe a little sooner. But um, as far as the, you know, you not having listened to it before and me going back to it, because it's, it's not an album that I listen to all the time, but it is the one that when I really looked at everything in my past, it's the one that, like I said, it really... Uh, informed who I would be as a musician. Uh, the things that I love, even though I have a wide variety of, of genre taste, you know, it was the, is the hooks, the big, the big, you know, the guitar hooks, the riffs, um, the singability of it. And, um, you know, that album, other than maybe one song, like you're saying, you know, you knew about three of them because they're, those are some of their biggest hits are on that album but every song on there to me, except for maybe one has that same caliber. They're just not as well known, um, but they have the same, you know, uh, sort of perspective to the lyrics. None of the kiss lyrics will change your life, but you know, they, they still have that perspective and that sort of, so it's either going to be kind of Gothic metal or it's going to be party, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's the feel you get with this album because well, there's no subtext. <laughs> They're pretty, <laughs> no, <laughs> they're, they're pretty, uh, pretty blatant in, in what they're singing about, but they, they kind of come across yeah. as, you know, we are rock gods and we know it. And that's what we're going to sing. Like, yeah, they start with Detroit rock city, which kind of shows what can go wrong if you're a rock God or if you're, you know, out there being crazy, but then it kicks right into King of the nighttime world, you know, which is all about, you know, being that crazy guy. And, for, and to, to hear that as a, as an impressionable young kid, you know, that's, it's, it's who that kid, that rebel kid is going to want to be. 
you know, I, I did have uh, an early rebellious stage, but some of that was just friends. You know, it wasn't just an album. You know, it wasn't even just a, a genre of music that I liked. But I was going to actually bring out the fact that when I was six and seven years old, a lot of those lyrics, I had no clue. You know, I, I thought, well, that's a really weird thing to say. You know, <laughs> what, what, is he, what is he trying to say there? You know, and then, of course, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. That, that's that's been a trend for some of the uh some of the albums that we've gone through uh, on this project like van halen and, and others like oh, yeah. you, you've got a 10 year old kid that, i don't know what the hell they're talking about <laughs> but it's but it rocks <laughs> yeah my wife and i will listen to stuff and i do this thing called rock and roll trivia and i'll offer her points uh, and my kids too but like if it's my wife and i i will point out the songs that are actually about sex and she's like that song is not and i said yes it is listen to it again (laughs) (laughs) and some of the ones that she wouldn't expect you know songs by seal or train you know she's like wow i didn't didn't get that at first i might have to steal that do that with my (laughs) wife yeah rock and roll trivia is fun if if it's a really long shot like i know she's not going to know a song by a band named rainbow that i loved from the 70s um, I'll offer like 50,000 rock and roll points. No one, she's never going to. The deal. Uh, Dio sang with him for a while, but, um, Joe Lynn Turner was actually, in my opinion, part of their best singer. Okay. Uh, street of dreams. Um, can't think of the other big hit right now, but anyway, not to, not to get off the kiss path. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a song by Weezer called in the garage. Yeah. Have you heard that? I feel like I have, but it's not coming to mind. It's off their blue album. It, there's a whole verse about uh, Kiss in the 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 rock uh, the rock stuff they used to listen to in their garage when they were kids, and uh, and he's singing, you know, "I've uh, I've got Ace Freely, I've got Peter Chris waiting here for me." Yeah, I've got Ace Freely, I've got Peter Chris waiting there for me. hearing this album i can hear little bits in some of the more unknown weezer songs because I, I listened to a lot of weezer a long time ago and uh i, I could i can hear that influence there so this was, that was another cool thing to hear have you heard the van the van weezer stuff where they're kind of emulating a little eddie eddie van halen and, and no. that stuff in there no um it's a whole album there's a couple of really great songs on there it came out maybe a couple years ago um but I find it interesting that a band like Weezer that I like was so heavily influenced by bands I grew up with, Kiss, mm-hmm. Van Halen, Toto. You know, they did the, the remake of that. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see guys that are so influenced by those things that I was come out with their own their own vibe that's completely off that. But you do hear little bits of, of those things in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so the, the album goes, they go, yeah, Detroit Rock City, then... King of the Nighttime World, and then that goes into an even heavier song with God of Thunder, which which I really liked this one. This is one I had I hadn't heard. Let me tell you, that's a great song live. I mean, growing up a good Christian boy, I always, even as a little kid, I always struggled with the you know, take your virgin soul or whatever it says in there. <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> it's over the top, you know. I was
it is. It's a great song live. Um, I just, I finally got to see them what two, three years ago um, live. I had never seen them live before. And so I didn't know they were still tour. Oh yeah. This is the end of the road tour. They claim it's the last one. They claim, although there's still rumors they might do a residency in Vegas, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I've, I've seen the Eagles twice since their original farewell one tour. So it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those older bands, they, they got to keep it going, which I don't mind. Uh, but that was the first time you got to see them? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I took my two older kids. We were trying to go on a, on a budget, so we didn't take everybody. But um, if, if they come back around, we might. <laughs> I'll have to see if I could convince Michelle to go with me. I, I, I doubt it, but, you know, that, that one might be a stretch. Uh, you can get her to go. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, God of Thunder, you say very heavy, but it mm-hmm. – it, uh, I didn't know if they were like singing, you know, about Thor or whatever, but it felt like they were singing say about comic book stuff, uh, you know, and I don't, yeah. I don't know if that was their inspiration there, but that's, and like when you, when you gave me this album to, that you were bringing to the table, you, you said, put, you know, listen to this as a seven-year-old. And you know, those were, mm-hmm. you were your instructions. And then that, that song right there just kind of fits right into that mold. It fits it, it well. It does. And yeah. Yeah, whether it's Thor or whether it's some made up, you know, because the Gene Simmons character is the demon and all that. It just, it, it, you know, seven-year-old boy. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's right up that alley. Track four, though, changes everything on that album uh, to me because it's, it's a, a huge shift with great expectations. So that's the one song I was going to bring up because um, – even though I had listened to that song many, many times, having broken it out again recently for this interview, um, I had forgotten how bad those lyrics are. <laughs> just just on the nose, cheese, ridiculous. But but and so and the music is also not so good. You know, it's like just this kind of meandering, not so good verse. But then the chorus is pretty good. So you just have to decide, do I sit through this to get that pop a chorus? And you will- usually it's a skip for me you know okay and that's when i can feel the uh the producer uh kind of kind of neat that they actually have a bob ezrin as the producer on this album the, the engineer mm-hmm. yeah and he went on to produce the wall for pink floyd yep big big producer this is one song that i could definitely see his influence on on heavily because it just doesn't sound like any of the others but it it's enjoyable it's not really a repeat listen to rock out to but it's a good listen to just to as the orchestration comes in. Yeah. If you, if you're a fan of that sort of thing, I am, but that, that with the kiss style guitar laced over in, it's an interesting listen, but yeah, like you said, not, not one to hit repeat on. Yeah. Especially when you really listen to the lyrics of the <laughs> verses, <laughs> he's kind of singing to groupies well, more or less. Well, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's over the top. It, yeah. Not subtle. Not, <laughs> even for that era. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see why you know some extremely hardline parents would be not too happy with their kids listening to this you know but like you said kids don't even understand the lyrics at the time right no we we didn't really and in fact i um i play, started playing guitar in middle school and i had my mom get me the acdc back in black song but 
And she apparently read the lyrics. I had never really paid attention to lyrics, you know, not much. You know, I mean, I knew the main choruses and stuff, but apparently she almost didn't give it to me because my sister said she read the lyrics and was like, "Uh uh-uh. But she ended up giving it to me. I don't know what, maybe she shouldn't have. My parents never had a problem with any of the music I listened to. And and that's even with me at times singing rap lyrics in the early nineties, <laughs> not really yeah. you know, knowing the context of what I was saying. Yeah. Track five, you get right back into kiss main form with, with flaming youth kind of an anthem to yeah. all their young fans. And that was a big thing. I would say from 75 to 89 was these kind of we will rock you kind of songs not like not we will rock you like queen but more like like Def Leppard let it rock you know all these songs are like let it rock and we will rock you know rock 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 you know and so that song's very much in that same anthemic vein of we are the youth you know our parents don't understand yeah kind of like, like Alice Cooper I'm 18 you know sort of yeah you know, we, yeah. we are we're 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 gonna we're not gonna take your shit. We're we're gonna run with run this yeah. town. My parents think I'm crazy and they hate the things I do. I'm stupid and I'm lazy. Man, if they only knew how flaming you set the world. And but when you look at the lyrics, so it's, it's that and the song is kind of tame by today's standards, but but fits with the album and fits with the, uh, their message. If, if you can call well, people it used to have to, you know, people used to have to be more poetic. If you want to call it poetic about the, what they were saying, you know, these days, you know, they just, <laughs> you know, drop F bombs everywhere and say yeah. whatever they want to say right on the nose. And, um, you know, I was telling my kids, I'm like, you know, if you heard a, if you heard a song, um, with a cuss word in it, like even a minor cuss word in the seventies or eighties, you know, that was like, it was very on purpose. You know, it, it, you know, it wasn't just a flippant, you know, thing There was some, they were bold enough to put that in there because they felt like they had to say it, you know, it was just, there was more of a respect, I guess, mm-hmm. musically and lyrically back then. Yeah. I can agree with that. Even, even if songs from the fifties, you know, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, my dingaling, weird, weird stuff like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, there's all the, there's always been stuff buried under the surface or maybe right on the surface. But, but when I was uh, like 10 or 11, uh, the Chuck Berry version of my dingaling was on the jukebox at our bowling alley. So we had our youth bowling yeah. league that song <laughs> got played like three or four times an hour because it was just, everybody thought they were so clever putting that song <laughs> Uh, moving to track six, we've got Sweet Pain, which is pretty much yep. an S&M song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not subtle. <laughs> As a six-year-old, I'm like, I don't know. I like the song, <laughs> whatever. I did read a, an interesting note though that uh, pretty much Ace Frehley's guitar is replaced in this song by by Dick Wagner because he was pretty much uh, uninterested, drunk, and wanted to go play cards. So they just had a, this, this other other guy come in. They've had a lot of trouble with Ace over the years. Yeah, they have. 
Yeah, I, I don't know anything about the any of the band dysfunction, but uh, uh, there was quite a bit of, of creative conflict during this album. And he's not actually officially in the band now. Um, oh, really? They tried to get him back a few years ago, but he's been chronically, you know, high <laughs> and problematic. Are all the other original members, though? Like when you saw him? Well, Peter Kiss, uh, he's kind of retired, so they've got a younger guy that can keep, you know, keep up with the drumming because that's a pretty, you know, tough task, I guess. But um, Paul and Gene, they, they basically own the band, and they're obviously still in it, about to wrap it up. They say with the with the makeup, you know, gimmick. That's uh, you know, they can put anybody in there as long as they've got a resemblance and sound the same. They've talked about doing that, kind of carrying it on, almost like a tradition. Uh, I don't know if they'll actually pull the trigger on that. And I don't know if you're familiar with their sort of mid-stage kiss where they took the makeup off for the 80s hair metal era. I remember the terrible video for Lick It Up. Oh, yeah. There's there's two or three terrible videos in that era. Yeah, whenever it's a, a documentary of, of 80s music or something, they'll always show that a clip from that video. And it just looks so awkward. Yeah, yeah they, They're sure. pulling off these lyrics. <laughs> staring at the camera with a serious face and no makeup. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. But saying these lyrics with full, full get up and, and pyro and everything when, you know, then the gigantic heels on stage, I could see it working tremendously. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they went back to that for the nostalgia factor. And, you know, I, I wasn't like a faithful kiss follower, you know, decade after decade. It was more like for me, I was, I was into seventies kiss pre taking off the makeup uh, they had kind of a weird period there where they were more in japan than they were in the u.s and hmm. and then after the uh the 80s hair metal stuff got snuffed out by grunge uh, a couple years later they came back with their their whole get up with the makeup and everything and just kind of kind of doing the uh, nostalgia tour but maybe not as big as iron maiden but kind of like iron maiden you know just keep going with what they were doing and and of course, Maiden's making new albums. You know, not to segue too much off the trail here, but I don't know if you knew, Iron Maiden's new album beat Drake in London on the charts. Did it really? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good album. It oh, really let's is. Check that out. I didn't know they had a new album. I I, I didn't know oh, they yeah. were making new. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, I wonder how many original members are still with them though. Um, well, they replaced, you know, Nico's the drummer now. They, um, God, it was decades ago, but everybody else is original. That's also impressive, then. Track, track seven, we go to you know, the, the main song that I had heard many times, Shout It Out Loud. Oh, yeah. yeah One of their biggest songs ever. Yeah. Another another party anthem, and I can only imagine you know being in the crowd for this this tour and that song. I, I probably had a a wild time. It had to be a crowd oh, yeah. pleaser. And then uh, in track eight, you've got Beth. Which what's your take on Beth? Huge huge hit, um, and I loved it from the first day I heard it. I was thinking about it, you know, and thinking about this interview. Um, if you're familiar much with, and some of your listeners will be, that the 80s trend for all these harder rock bands to have this emotional ballad. 
well, they did this, they did that 10 years before that was a thing, you know? So it was kind of like a, a precursor to what was coming with, you know, like poison having every rose has its thorn and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's live. It's, I think the song's great live. It's a little weird because they have the guy come out and I think he's pretending to play, you know, and sing it. And I think he's pretending to play the piano just so, you know, so that he doesn't have to worry about, you know, but then right at the end, they all kind of come in by the, the rest of the band comes in behind him. Like it's some big touching moment. So that's a little mm-hmm. weird when they're all in makeup and spiky heels, <laughs> like it's a really touching moment. Oh, um, that would be funny. And, but, um, but no, I, I like it. What'd you think of it? I, I used to get this song mixed up with babe from sticks mm, and yeah, you know, don't hate me for that comment comparing no, kiss to sticks, but they came out probably within three years of each other, you know, it, and similarly a polarizing, you know, song within the band, both bands themselves. True. Yeah. Cause Beth was written by supposedly written by Peter Chris, mm-hmm. which that's, I guess, debatable depending on who you talk to in the band and his previous band. Um, but I believe it's sung by him too. It is. It is. Yeah. It's, it's not a bad ballad. I mean, yeah. it, it's a nice departure from, from the, the heavier songs on the album, you know, just kind of, you know, takes you, so, slows you down as far as if you're listening to the album all the way through, which, yeah. which is what a good ballad will do. It's, it's a good ballad. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it. If I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now, me and the boys are playing. You know how we all have those things from our childhood and it instantly takes you back to, and that's one of those songs takes me right back to those, those days of eating barbecue potato chips and drinking Dr. Pepper and not caring about how many calories it was watching uh, Kung Fu movies. And, you know, just, (laughs) yeah, I mean, just takes me right back to being a kid. I saw Warrant several times uh, when I was in the service and uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned the ballads and, and they had uh, I saw red and heaven. Mm-hmm. They're, they're two big ballads. Yeah. It's a shame the lead singer died uh, because they, yeah. they actually put on a great show. I've seen yeah. them several times, um, but every time they had to sing the ballads, they, the lead singer would step out and be like, okay, we have to do this. It's in the contract. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd sing a few lines of, of heaven and then they'd cut into a few lines of I saw red and then they'd move on to something else. Like they That's hated funny. playing them, but they like, it's in the contract. You know, when you, do it. if you're in a band and, and you, you know, you know, you hit one out of the park like that and your fans love it, you're going to be playing it forever. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, their chosen profession and what, what gets them there. I got to, got to keep, keep the fans happy. Yeah. The, uh, track nine is, is do you love me? Which this was a good song. Yeah. That's one of my faves on the album. It's got a bit more of a, a message than, than the rest of them. As far as, uh, you know, it's singing about, do you, do you really love the person or you just love my right. rock star excess? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there's a little bit more message there. You're right. You like my seven inch leather heels and going to all of the shows. But do you love me? Do you love me? 
I, I kind of wish that it would have ended on track nine. Uh, track ten didn't really do nothing, do do anything for me. So what do you, what do you have on track ten? Rock and roll party, which is just an so, instrumental ending and little bits of vocals. I don't remember that being on the original my original vinyl, which my dad gave to Goodwill. And, you know, I don't know why he did that, but <laughs> he, he gave all my vinyl that I left at the house to Goodwill. But Someone's anyway, got some, some uh, albums worth some money then. <laughs> yeah. But so I don't remember that for, as a kid being on there, but when I was listening on Spotify, it, you know, it kept coming up and I'm like, what is this trash at the end? I mean, it's just audio trash. There's nothing really going on. And it's literally a minute and a half. And I mean, the album is only 34 minutes to begin with. Yeah. It's a quick album. Uh, so I, I don't really see the purpose of that little thing at the end. Uh, I don't unless know it was something with the vinyl to tie it into the, the, you know, the news report on the, on the yeah, front side. I, I was about to say that. I mean, but you know, vinyl, um, I mean, I guess, I guess you could, uh, it's been a while since I've played any vinyl and like let an album just play, but it would kick back to the beginning. Right. So maybe that was the idea from a producer standpoint. Well, I know uh, a lot of eight tracks had to do that. They had to put something in there yeah. to fill that little bit of gap. Yeah. So maybe it was maybe it was a technical decision Left, leftover from an eight track. I could very well could be. But uh, yeah, I was like, "What is this? I don't remember this." So yeah, <laughs> so I don't really so, count it. I don't. I don't yeah. count it. And that that solves my problem. And so then the album did end on "Do You Love Me." Yeah. So that, that works. <laughs> Well, and I double checked it when, cause when that came up, I was like, hang on. And so I Googled, you know, the track listing to make sure it was right. And it, and it didn't come up on that when I did a search for the track listing. So I thought maybe in the 2021 remaster that they did of, of, of destroyer, maybe somehow it got put in then, or maybe it was, you know, right. You know how it is. They figure out, Oh yeah, we used to have this there and they put it back. You know, I don't know, but it just doesn't matter. Does any listeners out there know the origin of Rock and Roll yeah. Party? Let us know. Somebody let us know. <laughs> let us know, yeah. I'm curious now. Because, yeah, it, it, it literally is just bits of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, for a little while, I was wondering if it was some kind of a voodoo ritual. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was like what is this? <laughs> uh, but overall, this was a, a, a fun listen. Uh, it's not one of my top forever yeah. Uh, but, it, but it, I'm, I'm glad you brought it to the table. Um, uh, I may look into some other, uh, you know, kiss albums to see how they started and how they evolved. Uh, because that's, that's something I'm pulling out of this whole project is yeah. band evolutions. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty neat. And this, this is kind of, I think this, would you say this is them at the top of their game? I would say so. Um, kiss alive, the first kiss alive album. A lot of people would say that is the sort of pinnacle of, of their, you know, their, their broad appeal and their writing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for sure, mid seventies kiss was, was what we all loved about kiss. And that, that's why we go see the shows now is to relive that, you know, you're talking about this opens up some avenues for you. Like, Hey, I want to check out some more of this band or whatever. I remember going to a summer camp one time and we had a listening room. It was at a college campus and this guy introduced me to Doobie Brothers. I'd never heard them. I had I, heard them, but didn't know who they were. So, you know, you hear stuff on the radio, and I'm like, I don't know who that is or whatever. But we used to just sit around that listening room with headphones on listening to Doobie Brothers. And that, that opened this, 
this kid who had been all metal all the time, you know, starting to listen to things like that a little bit, you know, getting more into Skinner and, you know, some stuff, a little bit more soul, you know. I had a similar thing in high school where we had a, a garage and, uh, you know, me and my circle of friends, we would sit and listen to just album upon album. And, uh, I had an older, older cousin that would bring albums in things that we hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where we got really deep into Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin. We kind of, you know, worked our way through a lot of the classic rock. It's where, it's where I discovered Black Sabbath and then mm-hmm. Ozzy, Ozzy Solo and, and things of that nature. Uh, but then also, uh, there's a lot of rap in there too, but, uh, yeah, I won't admit that publicly. You have more rap than me. (laughs) Well, that was, uh, it, it, the, uh, the mid nineties were, uh, an interesting time for, for hip hop, you know, with Tupac and and Biggie were just been killed and they had, had, and then, so there was kind of a a weird gap of, of some interesting hip hop in there. I think music was yeah, music was trying to find its way too, and emerging technologies and Napster and just all kinds of stuff was brewing. You know, it was a mm-hmm. it was an interesting time. Yeah, it's a shame uh, Kiss never really made our rotation though, because I, I think we would have enjoyed it back then. You know, being mm-hmm. fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, I think we would have you know enjoyed some of these some of these tracks. Well, you mentioned um, Ozzy. You know, that was one, uh, for me. Middle school is. Obviously, Kiss laid a great foundation for what I would mostly like, the style of what I would like, the big hooks and the big guitars and drums. In middle school, I get into Ozzy and Maiden and Dio and, you know, all that stuff. And, um, you know, that stuff was very formative for me as well. Um, and so, like I said, when, when you asked about what, what album would you pick, it's like really tough because so many of them are, are important to me. And even though Kiss Destroyer is not literally when I go play, you know, on a day when I'm just, you know, bored or working in the yard, it it definitely helped to create my musical taste. So Kiss Destroyer made the top of, of that particular list. What's on your short list? What almost made it? Well, um, so I don't know how familiar you are with this band, Striper, uh, Christian mm-hmm. Metal from the 80s. Um, they were... That was from ninth grade on that I was, you know, so my middle school, I was kind of a wild kid listening to all the, you know, regular metal. By ninth grade, I was Mr. Christian metal, you know. And so Soldiers Under, I mean, I heard Yellow and Black Attack, which was great, but Soldiers Under Command, uh, uh, that was the album that really just kind of put them, you know, you know, on on track to be a huge in, 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 as what they were. Um Black album by Metallica was a big album for me. It, a lot of people don't like that era of Metallica. They want the old, just, you know, Master of Puppets stuff. But I loved how they blended a more commercial sound with their style. Hence, a throwback to Kiss Destroyer, which was a lot, very commercial, but heavy. And so that's yeah. just kind of where, that's where I fall. I mean, I liked Creed back in the day. Um, if you know anything about Alter Bridge, which is basically all the guys from Creed with Miles Kennedy singing, they are one of my favorite bands right now. Dirty Honey. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I'm really into now. Royal Blood, new stuff. Um, the stuff as far didn't make the cut uh, just because the albums came later. Was Soldiers Under Command, Striper, 
Metallica, the Black Album. Those were two that were that were competing for the spot. Excellent. I, I I have heard of Striper, but I I couldn't take I couldn't name you a song. It wasn't something that I that I listened to. But the Black Album has been you know formidable for me. You know that that was my my gateway into Metallica with along with many other people. Interesting thing about um, Striper, they like Kiss are still touring and playing and writing new stuff. Oh, really? Um, so they've got songs in the past ten years that I like just as well or better than the things they came out with in the late eighties. You know, it's, nice. They're more. It's a more seasoned, more mature sound. So I'll I'll send you a couple links to some things to check out. Yeah, yeah. Send me those. I'd be. I'm interested to see it. Well, Tommy, before we wrap this up, uh, tell our listeners what you're working on or if they can find you or anything you would like to pitch. Well, let's see. What am I working on? My son and I are writing a screenplay that we hope to produce, um, and I'll direct, and he'll do the composition. He's a That's what my son went to school for, music composition, and he wants to score cinematic, you know, whether it be TV or film. Your listeners won't know much about me, but I – like you said earlier, I have my hands in a lot of different things. I have a hot sauce company, Bootlicker Hot Sauce. So bootlicker.com with two Ks, go check that out. Um, but I also wrote, directed, and produced a feature film back in uh, 09. And that's called Grilling Bobby Hicks. And it won a couple of festival awards, you know, but it's uh, it has its moments. Let's just say that. Nice. So that's where, you know, that's sort of my long-term goal is to be back in the film business. It's been a hard time, you know, road getting kind of back in the director's chair, you know, everything from investors, you know, there's, there's so many factors you have to consider. I learned a lot on the first one. I know how I'm going to knock park on the next one. I'm starting to work on some new music myself. I actually was in a band between 2002 that was doing really well. That imploded. I'll spare you the long story, but um, that you know we were doing really well, and when things didn't work out, uh, I I didn't touch a guitar for ten years. I was ticked off at music and ready to do something else. Um, lately, with my son being a musician, incredible incredible musician, and just my my love of music, um, and he's a great drummer. We've gotten back into it, and so I'm writing some new stuff. So that's, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm uh, working towards a new film or some new music, uh, continuing to market and uh, bootlicker hot sauce, trying to get that out there and, and still do some client work. I'm a designer and video producer as well. So. Yeah. I can attest to the hot sauce. That's good stuff. <laughs> I'm glad. And yeah, I got to get you a bottle of the barbecue sauce. It's brand new. Oh yeah. I'd love to try that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a thin Carolina style. We'll uh, we'll put some links in the the show notes to to the hot sauce and everything, so you guys can, uh, yeah, all the listeners out there, however many there are, who knows? Uh, but there, <laughs> uh, but I, I encourage everyone to go check that stuff out. It's really good. Well, Tommy, I'd like to thank you for your time today, and uh, it was a pleasure to sit and talk with you about Destroyer from Kiss. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I wish you and the podcast much success. Uh, We'll get you back on when uh, you get your movie rolling and stuff. You can tell us about it. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. As I always say, listen to the full album. 
Until next time. A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.